Welcome to Solutions for a Simpler Life. This is Glenda Lehman Irvin with Lehman's On the Square in Kidron, Ohio. We're glad you've joined us. Hello and welcome to another edition of Solutions for a Simple Life. This is Glenda Lehman Irvin here with Lehman's On the Square in Kidron. And today we have a sweet topic. We are talking to Jason Cash, maple syrup tapper and producer extraordinaire. So Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi, Glenda. It's a pleasure to be with you guys today. Um, I have been interested in maple syrup. Uh, this is actually our 20th year of producing maple syrup, and I live on a, a, about a 100-acre farm in Atwater, Ohio. And on our farm, we tap uh, 1,500 sugar maples, so uh, kind of a medium-sized operation as far as that goes. But um, for us, it's uh, more of an overgrown hobby. Uh, it's not what we do full-time for a living, but obviously uh, we're very invested in it. And I actually look at it as a way to kind of keep myself in touch with our family farm. We've been living on the same farm for over 75 years now, uh, even though we've only been making maple syrup for the last 20. Uh, plus, given the time of year that we produce maple syrup, uh, it gets me out of the house, gets me into the woods, and uh, uh, allows me to produce something oh, super sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Now, how did you get started tapping trees? You said the, the the farm has been in the family for over seven decades, but you've been doing the maple syrup for about 20 years. So how did that get started? It's actually a really cool story. So I never had maple syrup prior to making it myself for the first time. Um, and about 23, 24 years ago, my dad and I were walking back through our woods. And about 80 years ago, just before we came onto the farm, uh, the farm had been logged. So there weren't a lot of uh, really large trees. You know, obviously, trees that are 80 years old are pretty, pretty big, but there weren't any like super huge trees. But we were back in this one section of our woods. And as we were walking along, my dad says, hey, Jason, do you see those trees that are all sort of in a straight line? And they're all really good size. They're all really big trees. He goes, those trees are sugar maple trees. And the reason they weren't harvested with the rest of the trees on the farm is because the fence that kept the cows in was attached to that line of trees, which explains why they were all in a straight line. And just him saying, you know, those are sugar maples that are used to produce maple syrup sort of planted that seed in my mind. And that very next uh, winter, I bought five buckets and five pails, and I collected my sap, and I uh, cooked it over a campfire using a stock pot, and uh, I boiled literally for 48 hours straight, like no sleep, just 48 hours, keep putting wood in the fire, keep pouring sap into the pan, uh, never really took anything out of the pan, just kept adding sap and boiling it away. And at the end, after that 48 hours, I had a, about a quarter of a cup of maple syrup, um, but it was delicious, and it was enough to get me hooked and uh, we've we've been growing ever since. So tell us a little bit about the the boil down process. I've heard 40 to 1 so you start with 40 mm -hmm. gallons uh, from what you tap. So the the official ratio is 43 to 1, but what people have to keep in mind is that is based on the sugar content of your sap. So sap is actually um, I say it's comprised of or made out of, there's basically three things in sap. Sap is 97.5% water, so mostly water. Um, if you're lucky, it's 2% sugar. And then that remaining half a percent are minerals that the tree has absorbed out of the ground. So in order to have a 43 to 1 ratio, 43 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup, your sap has to be a 2% sugar content when it comes out of the tree. Now that sugar content actually changes from tree to tree and it changes from day to day. And that kind of makes sense. If you think about it, if it's a really wet spring, a really wet 
late winter and early spring. There's a lot of extra moisture in the ground. The trees will absorb that moisture and it'll sort of dilute the sugar in the tree. So your sugar concentration goes down. If it's a really dry winter and a really dry spring, then there's not a lot of available moisture and the sugar concentration in your trees will go up. But if you're at a 2% sugar, it takes 43 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. We actually only average about a 1.8 here in our farm. So if you took all the sugar content of all of our trees and kind of mixed it all together, we'd come out to about a 1.8. Uh, and that means that for us, it takes about 47 or 48 gallons of sap to make a gallon. So how do you know what the sugar content so, is? Oh, we can get really scientific about that. So we use a refractometer. We actually use two different things. One is a refractometer and a refractometer is a scientific device that measures light transmittance through a liquid. So you'll put a little smear of sap on uh, like a glass lens and then you peer through a site uh, at a light source and based on how much that light is refracted, it'll show up on a little scale and it'll tell you exactly what the sugar content of that sap is. Um, the easier method, the, the more readily available method is to use a hydrometer. And a hydrometer is a device that measures um, the viscosity or thickness of a liquid. And there are actually two different kinds of hydrometers that we use in syrup production. One is for measuring the sugar content of sap. Uh, and one is for measuring the sugar content of syrup. And I'm sure we'll talk about that one in a little bit longer. But the sap one is specifically calibrated so that when you... Uh, float it. It's kind of like a bobber. It looks like an old style fishing bobber. But when you float it in your sap, uh, it the sap will actually come right up to the level of the sugar concentration and you can kind of read it on the scale on the side. So we use both. We use a hydrometer and a refractometer uh, and that helps us measure the sugar content. Of so would sap. it be fair to say the sap is the raw material and the... The sap is absolutely the raw material. Right, yeah. right. Now, how did you identify that they were sugar maple trees? I think it's important for people to realize that fall or summer is the best time to identify those trees because they have the leaves on them. Um, is there an easy way yep. to tell if a tree is going to be good for sugaring? There is. So I want to first start out by saying there are dozens of different species of maple. Um any of them can be tapped to make maple syrup, but in particular, you want to try and find a sugar maple tree. That's one particular species of maple. And the reason for that is because of that sugar concentration in the sap. So if you have a sugar maple tree, chances are that your sugar content is going to be pretty close to a 2%, and in which case it would take 43 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. But if you're out in the woods and all you really have available to you are red maples or silver maples or some other kind of a maple, you can still tap those trees to make syrup. But the difference is the sugar content in that sap is generally only about 1%. And so it would take 86 or more gallons of that sap to make your same gallon of maple syrup. So whenever possible, you want to try and find your sugar maple trees. And as you've already mentioned, the best time to do that is in the fall because a sugar maple tree the leaves turn very bright yellow orange in the fall. So it's really easy to identify them. Now, it's not the only tree that has a leaf that turns yellow orange, but you know, as you're walking in the woods and enjoying the beautiful weather and the beautiful colors, uh, if you can identify the trees with the yellow orange leaves, get a little bit closer and take a good look at that leaf. And a maple leaf will have three to five uh, fingers, three to five points on it. And the real telltale factor, the real thing that tells you that the sugar maple is that all of those little 
scallops or cutouts on the leaves will be smooth. We call it U's versus V's. So they look like little U's along the edge of that maple leaf. So three to five fingers, turns yellow orange in the fall, and then has little U's or scallops along the edge. That's a pretty good chance that that's a sugar maple. If you have a leaf that's uh, three to five fingers, looks very similar, but it has like mm -hmm. a V shaped, it's a very jagged shape, that's probably a red maple or a silver maple or some other type of maple. So. So, so that's the first step for beginners is identify your trees. That is absolutely the easiest. Yep. Absolutely. The easiest is the trout by the leaf. Is there a certain amount of, like, say I have one tree, does it just not make sense to tap it or well, it, is that it not It depends true? on what your goals are. So, you know, if you're doing it as an activity with your kids, you want to kind of show them, you know, where maple syrup comes from and have a fun activity, uh, tapping one or two trees is, is perfectly fine. Not a problem at all. And as people are thinking about this, I try and give them a couple of guidelines. So the first thing they have to realize is that the maple syrup season is generally speaking six to eight weeks from late winter, early spring. And the easiest way to remember that is, is generally uh, Valentine's Day to Easter. So within that Valentine's Day to Easter okay. window, that's the maple syrup season. So, you know, it's it's not something you're going to do one day and be done. It's It's a project that's going to last you as much as six to eight weeks. The other thing to keep in mind is that it's all weather dependent. And what you need in order for that sap to flow in the tree is you need nights that fall below freezing, followed by days that get above freezing. And the more significant that change from below freezing to above freezing, the more sap that tree is going to, um, I won't say produce, but more sap will flow out of that tree. And so you should expect to get, you know, a gallon or more uh, sap from every tree that you tap every time you have a fluctuation in temperature. So you have to be prepared for that. If you're, you know, only going to boil your sap on the weekends and you tap 20 trees, well, you know, each of those trees is going to produce 20 to 30 gallons of sap every single day that the temperatures fluctuate. So you've got to be prepared that on that weekend, you're not going to be doing much else but boiling your sap. Um, and then the other kind of factor that I say, you know, keep this in the mind is that for every tree that you tap, over the course of that six to eight weeks, you'll produce enough sap to make one quart of maple syrup. So if a family says, well, we we want to make enough syrup for ourselves to last the whole year, which is an admirable goal, you know, just enough for myself. Um, most people would need three to four gallons of syrup or more uh, to feed a family of three or four people. Well, if you know you need four gallons of syrup and you know that each tree produces one quart, that means that you have to tap 16 sugar maple trees to have enough sap to make four gallons of maple syrup for you and your family. So some, some guidelines that can help people figure out, you know, well, how many trees should I tap? Uh, you know, should I, should I tap a hundred trees? You know, if I'm only going to boil on the weekends, no, probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> right. So from tapping to boiling, how much time can expire? Uh, that three is a days, great question five days? as well. So the other thing that people don't realize is sap is perishable and I really compare it to milk. So once that sap leaves the tree, it definitely has a lifespan. And within two or three days, um, you're going to see it start to turn cloudy and then it'll sort of sour and even get an off smell. Um, so once that sap leaves the tree, it's really important that you either process it into syrup right away or that you keep it cold, just like you would keep your milk cold. So, you know, if you are one of those weekend warriors that can only process their boil, their sap down on the weekends, gather it up during the week 
um, store it in a refrigerator. Some people I've heard even freeze it in their freezers. Uh, whatever you do, keep it as cold as possible so that it's still fresh and produces some delicious maple syrup. But we have a rule on our farm that once the sap leaves the tree, within two days, it's processed and in a bottle. So the sap on our farm never sits around for more than two days at the absolute most. Most of the time we're processing sap, you know, as we're gathering it. So, you know, a day, day and a half, it's, it's going to be in syrup and it's going to be in a bottle on a shelf. So the function of processing is basically heating it up and boiling the water off and then filtering it to get the sediments out. And then it becomes syrup. It is is as simple as as that. that? So if you had your 43 gallons of sap that was a 2% sugar concentration, you're going to remove 42 gallons of water to get to your one gallon of maple syrup. And that half a percent of minerals really kind of comes into play now. So when you have 43 gallons of sap and you take out that 42 gallons of water, you've actually removed so much water that the minerals can't stay dissolved in the liquid anymore. There's not enough water left. So they precipitate out and they create what's called sugar sand or nitre. Some other people will call it nitre. Well, the sugar sand is a perfectly natural product. It's actually all of the minerals. In fact, maple syrup is so chocked full of minerals that it can't hold it all. And it actually precipitates out and creates a little, uh, uh, they call it sugar sand or, or just kind of a little sludge that you see in the bottom of your bottle. You could eat it if you wanted to. Fortunately, it doesn't look very attractive and uh, it's a little bit slimy on the tongue, so it's not very palatable either. So most people would choose to filter that out and you can filter it out with something as simple as cheesecloth uh, or you could buy an Orlon or a felt filter that's you know made for the task. Or if you're a large producer like me, uh, we actually use a filter press that takes out the maple syrup. So yeah, your, pro- your process is you know, gather the sap, remove the excess water, filter it, and then bottle it while it's hot. And, and you have yourself some maple syrup. Can you do anything with that filtered water? I mean, do people drink it or does it evaporate or so what happens to the water? There's a, there's a couple of ways of removing the water from the syrup. Um, for the average, you know, backyard producer, they're just going to boil it. And so most of that water is going to evaporate off as steam. So they're, they're not going to really have an opportunity to capture it um, unless they have like an evaporator that's made to capture steam. And, and that is actually a thing. So that's why I mentioned that. Um, so most of the time it's boiling. The water is going to go up into the air. Um, it's going to dissipate. And, you know, there's not going to really be any opportunity to capture that water. Now, while we're saying that, I also want to make a point that it's not a great idea to boil your sap inside your house in the kitchen on the stove. And part of the reason for that is, is because every 43 gallons of sap that you gather, you're boiling off 42 gallons of water. So your kitchen is going to become very, very steamy. Uh, this is a better activity for the garage or out in the open air. Or, uh, you know, obviously, if you have a sugar house that's designed to hold that much moisture, uh, you can do that that way. Now, most people, again, going to boil it. The water is going to go up as steam. It's not going to be capturable. One of the other things that you can do, though, is utilize reverse osmosis. And just like a lot of people have for their household drinking water, um, reverse osmosis is able to separate the sugar and the minerals from some of the water. And we actually do have a reverse osmosis machine here on our farm. And that really helps you with the efficiency of the process. So we run our sap through a reverse osmosis machine. And we can take out 50% of the water uh, in a single pass. So one pass through the RO. Now, instead of it taking 43 gallons of sap to make a gallon of maple syrup, it only takes us about 22 gallons of sap to make a 
gallon of maple syrup. And if it's a, a day where we're just you know swimming in sap because the sap is flowing so heavy, we can actually run it through the RO a second time. And that second time, it's going to remove even more water. And now it's only going to take us about 17 gallons of sap to make a gallon of maple syrup. Uh, and one of the great benefits of using RO is not only is it more efficient for you to produce maple syrup because it takes out half the water, but you also have that water as a byproduct. And that water is basically distilled water. It is absolutely pure. It is absolutely clean. Uh, and at our farm, we actually store that water in tanks. And anytime you turn on a spigot or wash your hands or get a drink when you're out in our sugar house, you're actually using water that originally came from a tree. So very, very cool part of that process that we're uh, able to recapture that water and reutilize it. It is very cool. Do you ever use that water to water the trees? I, I don't use it to water the trees. Um, there is always so well. Okay, so I'm a little bit of a clean clean freak. I have a little bit of OCD. Um, we're always washing dishes or washing pans or washing something out in the sugar house. So we'll use um, probably two or three thousand gallons of that water just for washing. But over the course of a season, we're producing um, thirteen, fourteen thousand gallons of RO water. So what we do is we store it in the tanks, and at the end of the season, uh, whatever I have left from washing all my equipment, we actually used to open our pool. <laughs> so, oh, that's you know, in the, in the fall, you kind of drain your pool down below the filters. Well, we, we use that excess RO water in the spring to refill our pool and open it back up. So it works out great for yeah, us. Yeah. I love the idea of using all the pieces, parts of, yep. of everything. Um, um, maple syrup, what are the health benefits? I assume that you consume a lot of it yourself. I know you're not a physician, but what are some of the things that you have heard or read that are healthy about maple syrup as opposed to yeah. like refined sugar or something else? Maple syrup is a fantastic replacement for white sugar in your diet. Now, I want to kind of hedge this by saying, you know, it is a sugar. So we always have to be considerate of how much sugar that we're consuming. But if you do want something sweet, uh, maple syrup is definitely a great option. Uh, the first thing I want to say is that it's it's minimally minimally processed. We we take the sap from the tree, we boil off the excess water. That's your maple syrup. Mm -hmm. So because it's minimally processed, uh, maple syrup is chocked full of minerals and antioxidants, um, significant amounts of things like riboflavin, zinc iron. It has 95% of your daily value of manganese, calcium, potassium. Uh, there was actually 57 phenols or, or some of those are antioxidants, which uh, reduce swelling in your body that are just naturally found in maple syrup. So minimally processed, which means that your body's going to digest it a lot easier. It's going to pass through your body a lot better than sugar was. It's chocked full of minerals. As I mentioned earlier, there's so many minerals in it that they can't stay in it anymore. They, they precipitate out and they create that sugar sand, which is, again, just all those minerals that are found in the ground naturally that the tree has absorbed. Um, and one of the other nice points about it is maple syrup has a very low glycemic index, which, you know, if you struggle with sugar, if you're a, a mild diabetic, as an example, when you eat white sugar, it gets into your bloodstream immediately. Your, your, uh, your sugar levels spike, uh, and then they drop way down and you have that, like, you know, that, that let down after you've had sugar. Well, maple syrup is a little different. Your blood sugar levels are more stable. They will go up, 
but they'll go up more gradually and then also decline more gradually. And what that means for you as a person is that, you know, you won't get that spike or that sugar rush from eating maple syrup products right away. And the energy that you get from that sugar is going to last a longer period of time than, you know, if you drink like say a, a can of Coke or a, a, another sugary beverage like that, and you get that instant sugar rush and then you know, an hour later, you're like, oh man, I'm down in the dumps now. Maple syrup, it'll get you that that sugar rush over a slower period of time and it'll last much longer. So maple syrup is, is a fantastic alternative to white sugar. And if you're going to use it in a recipe, what I would recommend is you have to play with your recipe a little bit. Um, if you buy maple syrup and you intend to use syrup as a replacement for your sugar, uh, you generally will have to reduce the other liquids in your recipe a little bit. Um, the other thing is, Maple syrup comes in different grades, and a lot of people don't realize that. There are four different grades of maple syrup, and each one of those grades has a different flavor, a different intensity of maple. If you're going to cook with it on an everyday basis, generally you want to try and find some of the lighter grades of maple syrup because they don't burn as easily when you're cooking with them, and they don't impart uh, an overly strong maple flavor to your finished recipe. So you'll get the same level of sweetness, but you won't have that intensity of maple flavor. So your recipe will pretty much taste the same. Uh, one of the other things that I wanted to mention is that maple syrup, because of the types of sugar that are in it, is actually twice as sweet on the taste buds, on the tongue. So when you start using maple syrup as a replacement in your diet, you can generally get away with using a lot less than you would of traditional white sugar because your tongue is going to perceive that sweetness a lot stronger when you use maple syrup than if you were just using plain sugar. And probably the last point, uh, it actually has fewer calories. It has fewer calories per serving than traditional white sugar does. So it's twice as sweet, which means you can use less. And ounce per ounce, it has fewer calories. So it's kind of a win-win. Oh, that is. That's great news. And I'm glad you mentioned recipes. I think traditionally we think of maple syrup on pancakes or French toast or cornbread for breakfast, but absolutely it can be used in recipes. Uh, some people like that stronger maple flavor, but to your point, if you don't want it, if you want it to be like your actual recipe, just use a, a lower grade. Uh, my final question for you, your family farm is named Cash Farms Pure Maple Syrup. Why is pure so important? So in the last 10 years or so, you've you've seen a lot of manufacturers, I don't know if trick is the right word, that I, I feel like they're trying to mislead you a little bit. So you have to be very careful when you're looking at a label of a product. Number one, maple syrup is a premium product. So you pay a lot more for a maple syrup, a, a pure maple syrup, a real maple syrup, than you would for, say, a pancake syrup or what we call as a table syrup, um, which is mostly you know high fructose corn syrup. So number one, you have to realize that's a premium product. You're going to pay a little bit more for it. Uh, the other thing is there's been an abundance of products on the market that tend to lead people to believe they're a natural product, um, but really they're a, a blended syrup. So they might have, you know, 50% maple syrup, but it's also 50% of um, some other kind of syrup, like a cane sugar, which, you know, is actually cane sugar is just another word for corn syrup, uh, to be totally honest with you. So uh, I feel there's a lot of products out there that are sort of misleading people. And, and when they come to cash farms, I want them to know that, you know, this is nothing but the sap from the sugar maple tree with that excess water removed. And 
that final product is as pure and as premium as you can get. Well, thank you so much, Jason. I think you've got us all hankering for some maple syrup <laughs> now between the, the health benefits and, and the, the knowledge that you have. We really appreciate it. Um, go to layman's.com for all your maple sugaring supplies. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you in the future. Glenda Layman Irvin signing off for Simple Solutions. This is Glenda Lehman Irvin with Layman's, where we stand for a simpler life. Thanks for listening. For more, visit Layman's.com.